Hi everyone, this is Synth. And this is Josie. And welcome back to the Commonweal Theatre Podcast. Today, we will be discussing the show that just opened at the Commonweal, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Jeffrey Hatcher. We are joined today by our director, Mark Baer. He is an associate professor of theater and the faculty organization president at Indiana University. And our Jekyll, Tim Seiler, who is a resident ensemble member here at the Commonweal and our assistant director of marketing. Today, we're going to discuss our first introductions to the story of Jekyll and Hyde, differences in our adaptation when compared to the original story or other popular interpretations like the children's TV show, Arthur. We also talk about the rehearsal process and how there's a little bit of Jekyll and a little bit of Hyde in all of us. You don't wanna miss it, stay tuned. Welcome to another episode of the Commonweal Podcast. This episode, we have two very special guests with us today. The first one is Mark Baer, who is the director of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And then the second is Tim Saylor, who is playing Dr. Jekyll in this production. So we have a few questions lined up for you. And the first one is... When did you first hear about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Just the general yeah. story of it. Yeah, what and was your first exposure to yeah. it? Mm, I think mine was uh, Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. um, the Bugs Bunny version, um, uh, where, I don't know, he eats a, a, a tainted carrot, I think, <laughs> um, and transforms <laughs> into this horrible uh, green-looking bunny monster. Um, uh, but it, it's, when you look closer, as I've been pre- preparing for this, it's around every corner, right? Like this, this kind of myth and this idea of, of, uh, a good and bad self or, or whatever is, is, um, pervasive, I think. What about you, Tim? I'm sure some Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was not that, it was sure. Tom and Jerry, uh, um, you just like the werewolf sort of story. That's a mm-hmm. Jekyll and Hyde thing too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, it's, is that like a Venn diagram of Van- Dracula? I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but I do, I remember seeing when I was visiting, uh, looking for colleges, one of the schools that I was looking at was doing the musical. Mm-hmm. And I really don't remember much from it. But I, I mean, it just felt very kind of gothic, romantic, dark, um, there is a love, I, there's a love interest in that adapt, adaptation, I think. Um, and I remember enjoying it, but I, I don't, I don't remember the musical, <laughs> but it just, it's just everywhere. It's that sort yeah, of like, yeah. that, like, just, yeah, like you said, pervasive, good and evil, dual side, very kind of black and white. Yeah. It's generally, it's crazy because the, the, the good and evil is the stereotype that everybody that that the culture seems to have picked up on with the bad me and the good me mm-hmm. or whatever but in fact i think that's not what the story is actually about historically right it's about that you know we we were on kind of the beginning uh threshold of psychology right as a field and the idea of the conscious and the subconscious and right and so um 
you know, Stevenson is just picking up on um, a, a through line of of writing, pop, kind of pop mm-hmm. science, uh, half understanding of a half theory at that point, right? About something that human beings have always experienced, which is there's the part of us that we show to the world, right? The part of us that's outside and the part of us that like kind of goes on in our head, mm-hmm. right? And that we do all, some, some, uh, uh, degree of controlling or filtering, right, uh, as we deal with other people. Mm-hmm. So, so the the story isn't really about good and evil, right? It's about public and secret in a way, or or how yeah. and how that lives inside mm-hmm. a single human being. But it's been interpreted by culture as as good and evil, almost like the you know the angel and devil and <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, and it's almost because of that that I w- was initially not really interested in in the play mm-hmm. um just as it was like tossed as as we won't get into season selection which is a whole very fascinating <laughs> conversation that i'm sure you should cover at some point of but you know but i love jeffrey hatcher's work and there were other company members who were really jazzed about it and um frankly this is a hard play to read for the first time and even subsequent times um Long story long, I'm just so thrilled that it is way more complex and interesting and uh, than what I think the common sort of aura, ghosts, are sort of like, there's a lot of baggage, I've said this before, like over what people may or may not know or think right. about Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. which is fun because this totally busts a lot of that down. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested that you had a, a, a rough time reading it the first time. What what, what was your initial... Uh, Part of it was just understanding the theatricality of it all, which is hard to visualize. And to be honest, this is the other... uh, The marketing hat that I wear was blazing through all of the plays for this season. So I was trying to get a sense of like what the, the front runners were because part of me, part of my job on the other... At the desk is to you know, write these blurbs and pitch the, the story. Mm-hmm. And this is not an easy thing to blurb. Mm-hmm. And so you also kind of just let it, let people know what they think about Jekyll and Hyde and let, let them come into that and then we can turn it around, yeah. which is fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like it's, it's difficult with this one too because like the adaptation, like you guys have been talking about, like flips the story on its head and like really brings things to the surface that aren't thought about in the original adaptation, especially like the sympathy for hide but it's like in a marketing perspective it's like do you want to hide that do you want to showcase that mm-hmm. do you want it to be a surprise for the audience mm-hmm. um i wanted to ask what your exposure was too because like for me i like have listened to some of the songs in the musical but i just watched the arthur episode like the day before <laughs> rehearsal started <laughs> and so i like my first exposure to jekyll and hyde is is our adaptation so it's oh. weird for me I feel like I have like a tainted view because I have so much mm-hmm. sympathy for yeah yeah that's surprising that you say that because I think my answer is very similar like of course I think everyone kind of knows about the story of Jekyll and Hyde but the first time I actually ever read it or consumed media that was explicitly Jekyll and Hyde was reading the play mm-hmm. this adaptation you guys hadn't heard the musical no, no. I yeah. listened to some songs like in my choir we sang "Letting Go," but that was that was really the extent. 
Yeah, the musical is 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 a, a very melodrama, right? It really yeah. is kind of black and white. There are mm-hmm. there are some um, some funny moments in it. It's really not this play at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the I think the other thing I'll say, mm, I'm not an expert on the original text at all. I've, I listened to it a couple months before, and it it sort of doesn't doesn't matter. But the thing that's interesting about it is that. From what I can recall, the the through line is really a character like Utterson, the solicitor, mm-hmm. who is piecing together this, like, that Jekyll is Hyde. I mean, I, like, the, there's no secret there, but it's fun, I think, of, like, someone sort of putting it together like it's a mystery, or it's almost kind of a police procedural or private eye kind of story. Um, there's not a lot of where we're hearing accounts of people who've witnessed Hyde in person or kind of seen the carnage, which mm-hmm. is part of what this adaptation does, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. And then there's a very, very long diary entry from Jekyll uh, toward the end of how he sort of wrestles with how pleasurable it is to be Hyde, I think. That was another takeaway that I got. Um, and like, there's some fighting going on. Um, but I think, uh, and there's not too much more I will say about this, but Hatcher argues, and I think this is probably right if I were to revisit it, that that it is more sort of gray than black and white mm-hmm. um, already initially there, but Stevenson is writing, you know, uh, genre horror fiction that is really new <laughs> into yeah. the sort of world of, mm-hmm. of horror, you know, so there's no precedent um, which is really, really cool too. Yeah, and I think that like the kind of police detective theme that I see in our show that we're doing is every single time we have the scene where it's two two, where I, I don't want to spoil it too yeah. much, <laughs> but basically there's this part where Jekyll is getting investigated for a crime, and Jekyll turns it on its head and is like, oh, interesting that this, that you think this would happen when actually, and it's like just this Sherlock Holmes moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing in the back of that scene every time as the butler and on the inside, I'm hearing like the Sherlock theme song <laughs> playing in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it's interesting that at the time, so the source material, this is important for Hatcher at adapting source material that's 150 years old or so, right, uh, uh, for today's audience is that um, Stevenson is writing uh, for an audience that doesn't know the the punchline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, right, and and Hatcher's writing for an audience who assumes the punchline, right? Who knows coming in the door that the whole story is mm-hmm. that they are right. the same person, right? And so, um, while we have this kind of investigation from both Utterson and the investigator uh, as a backdrop, right, and we see right the play sees us immediately brings us into the story story right and and has us know more than many of the characters mm-hmm. follow it that way and so really re- reconstructs the 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 story with that that in mind I think yeah. um, the other big innovation of of Hatcher's script is of course um, removing Hyde from Jekyll it, the actor right separating them. Uh, into two actors, which is important for stage 
versus a book, right? Because on stage we need conflict, we need dramatic conflict. Um, uh, and so having that, having the conflict be within a person uh, tends to be really uh, challenging for previous adaptations of whatever. Um, uh, and so this solves that problem by having them played by ultimate actors. Right. Yeah, because the uh, Hyde does physically transform, and if you have the same actor doing it, like what do you like? How do you make those switches without just hunching your shoulder? I think now I'm remembering that there was some funny, maybe not intentional moments in the musical version that I had seen where he is, you know, yeah. kind of flipping mm -hmm. back and forth, yeah. which is hard. Unless you know, it depends on what sort of the the style or, you know, what's the contract with the audience there. But I, I think there was laughter that was not intended <laughs> in the yeah. performance that I saw. And this sort of is able to do away with it. And it is uniquely theatrical. Like, you, I just don't think you could film this adaptation. Right. Like, in a successful way. Yeah. It, this can only be told with, you know, in the conditions that theater is made, which I think is so great. Yeah. Yeah, because the same, the character changing that you're talking about, like we do that in this play, right? We do actually, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we change the actors change all change character in front of your eyes, right? Um, but but the um, and the, and out of context that might look funny. Um, uh, hopefully, it doesn't doesn't uh, feel funny in our performance. It hasn't. So yeah. Far. <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's a lot of like space and. Uh, air, I, it's hard to explain, but uh -huh. there's like there's such a um, time slows down when a lot of I mean some of the shifts mm -hmm. are quite close, but we I just feel like a reverence with yeah. a lot of the mm -hmm. like very intentional, deliberate, yeah. um, and not these sudden shifts, which is um, kind of what I want to think. And like we were sort of uh, like Laurie, who is. Um, sort of working, Laurie Roberts, who's a company member, working with the movement and just sort of exploring this sort of blooming thing that happens with the, with the transformations mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. rather than this sort of jagged, sharp, um, yes, in general. Yeah. Um, which, and it happens so frequently that I think, you know, the audience, when it is first happening, the audience is just getting acclimated to what the rules are of this play. Yeah. And then we, then we kind of, change them up as the play goes <laughs> yeah, along. And I think a way that is so engaging. It's, yeah. So, when did the, when did the tide kind of turn for you when you became like intrigued in doing this show? Like what made you want to do this show and be Jekyll? Um, I mean, I would say it was sort of just a slow process of me looking at the season and feeling like, oh, I'll probably be in this play. <laughs> not, not, not necessarily Jekyll, but like, this is some, like, I love that sort of, uh, this is pretty, I would say a pretty dense language heavy show. That is very much my training, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. literary, um, the, the sort of, like, I'm an Anglophile, like, I love that kind of stuff. And so it just felt, well, I'll probably be in this. <laughs> um, and so it was just, just this gradual, like, oh, well, this is what my assignment is. Or um, this is part of my track for the art artistic year. Mm -hmm. And then you, um, it, it, it kind of becomes an arranged marriage that works out 
honestly. Mm-hmm. Or like sometimes like you don't get casting way in, not for this process, you know, it's like this is what this is what you're gonna do. And then you kind of learn to fall in love with it. It's true. That right? It is part of our job to fall in love with the show that 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 you know that has come to us right and and that's true as a director too uh, um uh but i i loved the show on first read i i will say it was pretty heart pounding to me um uh on the page but it also i right away was like i felt <laughs> shook um, um i felt right i felt like uh uh interrogated by it right away right and and so um certainly i get asked to direct things and and uh have varying levels of excitement about uh those projects and sometimes you can find excitement like you're, like you're talking about um but this time i was i was on board pretty much right away and and saw how this could be both a challenge but also a really good fit for this company. Yeah, I I have been doing a lot of research on the original novella, mm-hmm. and I appreciate not only how theatrical Hatcher has made it, but also how much he includes of like the inspiration of the original novella into the story which I think is super interesting because like you said like he knows that audiences are going to come in with an expectation already Mm -hmm. um and know specific parts of the story so like he doesn't have to give that to them but what he can give is more in depth and like yeah I just, I really, I really enjoy his adaptation and how much it connects to what inspired Stevenson to write. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but like in the second scene of the show, the story that Lanyon is talking about is the man that Jekyll and Hyde is based off of. Sure. Is this home like is this burglar Mm. at night but during the day he's this super successful person and it's literally that it's Mm. literally that story where he breaks into his own house and then kills his wife and two kids um and like also just like the dreaminess that hatcher brings into this adaptation and like stevenson at you know what dreamt the first transformation and his wife woke him up because she thought that he was having a nightmare and he was like he was like why do you do that like i was just like dreaming the most amazing tale ever and like she had just he she had woken him up at the first transformation and like it like i love that hatcher has like incorporated those things mm. into the story and i kind of wanted to segue that into asking you guys like what do you feel like this adaptation gives to audiences that like either the musical or like any other adaptations or even the original story doesn't give like what is this adaptation bringing to the surface that people don't normally think about when they think Jekyll and Hyde the my first instinct about that is is uh um I I was really surprised that Hatcher had not come upon Jekyll and Hyde 
even earlier in mm-hmm. his career. He was commissioned, you know, uh, it was Arizona Rep, I think, is or, the company, yeah. right? And yeah. Oregon. It was Arizona. Arizona. So. Um, uh, and it's fairly recent, right? It was 2016. And mm-hmm. I, but all of the themes of this play seem to fit right into his canon, right? And, and to really be something that, that this is good, juicy source material for what he authentically writes about, right? Um, I, I think that this adaptation, the, um, is successful at keeping us engaged in many ways at once. So we are following the story of Jekyll. We are following the story of several other characters. Um, he uses the story of Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hyde's love interest, Jekyll slash Hyde's love interest, um, and reforms her, reimagines her in a way that no previous adaptation has, and really uses that story to to uh, to pull us and draw us in and help reveal aspects of uh, the plot that wouldn't be there uh, normally. Um, uh, so you've you're watching actors play multiple characters, you're watching a number of plots at the same time, you're watching the way that the rules keep changing, like you say, mm-hmm. right? That's just keeping it, it, it it's in, interesting and engaging and exciting, no matter what you're watching. And I just, my eyes dart around when mm-hmm. I watch the show. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, what are the prickly abrasive parts of Jekyll that we see on stage and what are the more vulnerable, uh, almost heart-centered parts of Hyde that are, uh, you know, appearing and how they cross-fade and Mm -hmm. shift. Um, In addition to all this stuff that Mark was talking about. I mean, it just really is, it just keeps spinning. It's just Mm -hmm. a swirl the whole time. Yeah. When you think of Jekyll as conscious and Hyde as subconscious, right? Conscious thought can be can be good, right? It can be ethical and moral, right? And it can also be really focused on image and and worried about what other people think of you, right? There there are positive and negative aspects to our conscious presentation of ourselves, right? And your subconscious can also has uh, anger and lust and and outbursts of these things, but it is there is also a wounded child in there, right? That we keep hidden, and and uh, that has experiences that are built up, right? And so there are aspects of our subconscious that are uh, good and bad, right? And I think that is is just exploded, really beautifully revealed. Um, plays don't make statements, they ask questions, right? Good plays ask questions. But again, I, every, every time I've watched this show, I'm, I'm kind of left with, I'm chewing on things, mm-hmm. uh, thoughts about my own life and about how, you know, Jekyll's life, Elizabeth's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing that I've been paying a lot of attention to as we've gone into tech and just like doing the show so many times back to back has been how human, truly human Jekyll is. Just his character is like so interesting to me. And and we have 
I think that there's like a way of relating to both Jekyll and to Hyde. There's so much that could be taken from them, but if there was a question like, are you more of a Jekyll or are you more <laughs> of a Hyde? What would you say to that? Oh, I'm probably totally a Jekyll. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If I had to choose, yes. A Jekyll? Mm-hmm. And in what way? Why would you say that? I mean, I I like... Uh, I like... I'm a... Mm, <laughs> I've sort of... Uh, this is hard. I like rules, um, and I will try to explain that. I've also, like, I've been a very good student, which I don't think is like a great thing but um that is a conditioning thing and that's part of Jekyll's like there's systems of uh codes and rules or whatever you know from that whether it's like how to be a gentleman or like what's moral or whatever like um that really define and shape him in ways that I am not like totally aligned with but I understand of like Mm -hmm. But as that continues of, like, in thinking about being an artist and a creative person, I like to know the frame or what are the rules that we're playing with with which I can then play in. It's mm. This is a long roundabout way of it's like, it'd be one thing to just tell all of you, hey, write, write a, a scene on this piece of paper. But then if I were to say, hey, write a scene that takes place in a gas station and there's a llama all of a sudden right. like that becomes like I just get jazzed about that mm-hmm. and there's something Jekyll like that I, I suppose of like liking to stay you know in the lane yeah mm-hmm. um that's not to say I don't have hide <laughs> moments but um you know the kind of upper crust thing I mean and it's sort of as a joke is like oh I just feel sometimes that I would I'm suited for PBS British drama like historical you know like um that is very much sort of a zone that I like but I also am like oh what if I didn't go that way and so I think that's also a a sort of why I was like oh I've done this I mean I haven't done this very thing before it was like not immediately jonesing to be in this production like Mm -hmm. you know we're we're talking over a year ago yeah like it's like oh what's new and different and then I have like oh this is different <laughs> this is a, a different kind of challenge mm-hmm. um that i'm not even fully i don't even know if i could start unpacking that um because i'm so in, like we're opening the show tonight <laughs> as we're recording and i have like you i'm have sort of time for perspective yeah it's like, I'll, I'll zoom out later yeah. a little bit um and just like we got it yeah um yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> i I mean, first, I'm a Jekyll, too, right? And I resonate to him with a lot of the things you said about, about uh, rules and, right, and the desire for structure, right? So, mm-hmm. so to me, I, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I know I've enjoyed our collaboration so well as I, I, you know, have immediate empathy when you're looking for what, are the, what is the frame here in this, uh-huh. in this scene or whatever. I've just really enjoyed that because I, I I worked that way too as an actor. I I feel though that as you know the tragedy of Jekyll is 
is not his conscious ethics and morals, right? It's, it's that he is so uncomfortable with his hide that he's so rejecting of his kind of instinctive uh, subconscious voice, right? And that, that as I've, and I think that probably was me as a younger man, um, but I've really worked to accept that, um, that subconscious voice and to kind of love that little child, um, right? And, and to not, um, not, not work so hard to reject that. And so, um, I think, I hope I'm more of a hide in that way than I have, that I've been in the past. Um, uh, but not so separate, separate, not so bifurcated as, as Utterson <laughs> says, right? Not so separated from each other because I just feel like it's, it, it serves, serves me better, um, to let both of them mingle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I think for anyone, it's hard to say that they're just one thing, you know, mm-hmm. like you can be one who loves structure, but you can also love being impulsive too in, in different moments in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also like, again, <laughs> I don't have any like knowledge of Jekyll and Hyde before this mm-hmm. adaptation. So right. like for me, it's, it's really hard for me to separate them because like, like I have so much empathy towards Jekyll because like he even though he is supposed to be like the 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 quote-unquote good like he is the one telling Hyde that he is this like monster you know and it's like Hyde only lives that way because Jekyll is telling him that that is his only purpose and like even more like I love the last line in the show and really strips down of what to what Jekyll is really going through because it's like in order for Jekyll to strip his desires like we have desires that are good and bad Mm -hmm. but in order to strip the bad desires from himself it's also the good desires so it's like what is Jekyll and I think Utterson brings that up and it's like if you do pull these desires away what what is left because in your desires is also your passions and your love and it's like what is your purpose then if all of that is taken away Mm. I you know yeah I I see Jekylls on social media right like to me (laughs) the entire (laughs) genre of influencer is is a presentation of self that is you know preconceived and mm-hmm. and right and and attempts really hard to seem authentic right like th- this is J- Jekyll is very concerned that he is seen at his core as a moral person right. right as a good person as a person who's worthy of the power that society has bestowed upon him mm-hmm. right um, because of right because of who he is right but that you know when what we see on that in that 90 second clip on TikTok is only right the chosen words and the chosen right. moment 
um, and their prediction of what people re will respond positively to, that is, that is a jackal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think one mm. thing that makes me, <laughs> that's really, that's so No, and then I was just thinking of like, I, I'm not on TikTok, but I, there's like some Instagram stuff and it's, it's interesting because there's, there has been a wave and I think the thing that, mm, let me say what I was going to say and then I'll continue, <laughs> is that, but a lot of it is like, hey guys, I'm in the car, I don't have makeup on, like that sort of influencer look package too, mm -hmm. this sort of going out of the way to s sort of strip down and be real, yeah. that that is also right. probably Jekyll, Absolutely. right, too? Yeah. Like, that's Absolutely. a different yes. brand of authenticity, in quotes. Right. Um, that, I don't know, yeah. that's a whole, yeah. And, and then, in that way, aren't we all Jekylls? Like, aren't we all just presenting this front? And then, how, how can you actually be Hyde? With it, like, right. like genuinely, how can you, how I mean, can you live like that? There are moments of hide, right, that are captured on film that are right that are moments of of the easy ones to identify are moments of violence or or right or or transgression, right, or or catching people at their worst. But we also, you know, we also share moments of hide with those that we love most, right, who are closest mm -hmm. to us. We also, um, you know, uh, uh, when we work together as artists, part of the trust, part of the trust, part of the kind of contract is that we're allowed to see each other's hide right. uh, at times, mm -hmm. right? We put it on stage, but that means working through it in rehearsal Right. And 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 trusting each other that we're not going to, you know, that that we that we will not judge each other for those things. Right. But they will we'll support each other through those investigations. Mm -hmm. There's there's another aspect to Jekyll that I love and don't ever want to let go of as Tim. And I see it slip sometimes here and there, but he's like he's a dreamer. And he's got some like really lofty ideals that are very, I mean, he wants to save the world or that's like, he basically Absolutely. says yeah. that. Yeah. And there are times when it's like, it can be easy for me. I, I sort of, this, I've, this feels like a sort of early twenties, Tim, uh, at the finishing up college, like the world's my oyster kind of thing it was very fun and engaging mm -hmm. and things kind of just. You know, it, it happens when <laughs> you get older. But, but you know, I, I find myself as like, um, you know, chatting with Josiah. We work in the marketing team together. It's like, well, what if we did this? And just saying that, like, you can see the sparks in people's eyes. Or yeah. I can, like, sort of chase that spark of, like, knowing that it's at the expense of, like, logistics and thinking of, like, what this costs, not only just sort of financially, but just in time, like, whatever that might be for the common wheel. Or, like, what if I... What if I wrote a play or what, you know, whatever. And like, I don't, I don't want to lose that. And Jekyll has, we don't see a lot of that, but you do, you see a bit of that in the, in the first half of the play. Mm. And then, I mean, things spiral out of control, but he's, he's managing a crisis. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think that that kind of sparked something in me where thinking about Hyde as someone who just follows not only follows impulses but like has the courage to 
be their raw self, their full self with no filter, no barrier. And I think that for me, I can relate to that in the way that like I am an emotional person. I'm in tune with my emotions. Like if I feel something, I'm feeling it fully. And I think that it's it's just yeah. That yeah that stood out to me. I like that you brought that up because like something that I I really value in Hyde, whether it's the character or Hatcher's version of the character, is that like what I said earlier is like he is made because of what Jekyll is telling him he's made for and what his purpose is. And it takes somebody like Elizabeth to come along and show him that he's not just that. And like, I think that theme and what Hyde goes through can connect to our society in a lot of ways because like people who are or try to be like their full authentic selves um, can be met with loneliness as well. And when and it takes them realizing that there is more to them than that is someone coming along and showing them that and who doesn't just see them as, you know, what they've been told their purpose is their whole life. Yeah. The um there's a trope alert baked into that, right? Where we have this idea there there's there's a uh literature trope of a kind of pure uh, female character that right. that will save the the wounded man and make him feel his worth. And I think Hatcher's play uh, avoids or twists that trope, if not completely avoids it, by making Elizabeth, uh, to some degree, uh, a hide herself. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that... That really, to me, and, you know, that was something that was really important uh, to the actress, too, um, that that we investigate her as a, a, find the reasons that she connects with Hyde, which mm-hmm. I think are, are recognition rather than, um, you know, some type of savior sort of situation, right? And see how that plays out and how her strength remains to the end of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I think her character is so, so interesting. And Jackie, I mean, we've had conversations about, like, why is Elizabeth choosing to stay in this room? Why did Elizabeth come to this room, you know, in the beginning when she first meets Hyde? But then also something that I was thinking about is she keeps this bloody, broken, gory cane with her. Because it is the only thing that she has. And and it's like, who are you? (laughs) She does. She does polish it off. Just just for the record, right? But yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. (laughs) So I kind, I want to jump to the rehearsal process um, and talk about um, some of the things that we were met in the rehearsal room with this adaptation um I know there are a lot and there were you know memorable rehearsals are always the ones where you find that light bulb or like what like a scene really starts 
to click. But like for you guys, what has what has been like the most rewarding part of the process or like a rehearsal day that you just feel like is always going to be with you in that way? I just remember resisting the process early on or not fully trusting it. I wanted a lot of questions answered immediately that we just could not, no one could have that. I mean, you could have had the answers figured out, but like that is like, although then we should all be just writers, which I'm not, I'm not, uh, diminishing that role that writers are like like oh I should just write a novel then um, rather than have it all plotted out figured out with the Lego figurines or whatever and I know you were working on some of that mm -hmm. to a degree sure. but um, th this is where like my love of the structure and figuring out the rules so that I can play with that mm. um, hampered um, mm. the early process um, just because I wanted to know what everything was going to be and where. Yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like I couldn't move forward. I think I since now know that that is not true. And that is like, oh, let's be in the room with the folks who are here figuring this out together. There is time. Mark would always say that there's time. We got it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, do we? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that's related to, uh, it's, it always comes up for me of like, oh, if I know the lines, then I'll, I can start acting, which is tricky. Um, mm -hmm. Because then you can get stuck, uh, you know, if it goes, if mm -hmm. it, you know, um, but uh, I don't know where I'm going with this yeah. um, exactly, but it was just a reminder that this will always probably be true for me. It's that, I, is, who is it, the divine dissatisfaction of being an artist? Is mm -hmm. that um, Martha Graham, maybe? I'll have to look up the, that quote of just like, sort of living with doubt and mm -hmm. excelling at where the height of where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, and because now I feel like I have sort of a pretty good sense of like what I need as an actor to sort of move through. Like I don't have like something so set. I'm not that sort of set in my ways, but I have like, oh, I know, I know how to do this. And I don't want to get too fixed into that because otherwise you're just going to be budding. There's going to be a lot of friction mm -hmm. of allowing mm -hmm. what's happening in the room to, to sort of bloom together. Um, I hope that makes sense. And so it's just like a nice reminder of, oh, like it doesn't have to be my way or the high. As comfortable as that might feel sometimes when it's actually not at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where the where the twist happened, but I do remember there was like just a, a stellar, it was like a Monday rehearsal, which was our Friday of the week that just mm -hmm. felt so solid. This was probably like two and a half weeks in. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can relax now a little bit, yeah. I think. I sort of, yeah, there was something, it's like, okay, we got to figure it out. Or we're on our way to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I admit that, I mean, I have in the past as a director tried to solve plays ahead of time and come in with the solution and I have found that I'm always wrong um, <laughs> right that when we get no matter how much I plan no matter how much I try that getting in the room it it changes anyway do you know what I mean and so um, and so I I do 
I, I plan, I prep for that day, right, or that week, but I don't have the whole thing solved ahead of time, and I can imagine how that might be uh, uh, scary. I felt, I felt that be scary a couple of times, but I, I, uh, I, I feel like what happens in the room is, is, is the, the most important thing. Same process with the designers. But always, in every theater production, Every time there is one run, one uh, rehearsal where like the best thing, the most productive thing I can do that day is just sit and make a list of the things I might have done with my life other than um, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's always one rehearsal. And, and we, had a, we had a run the week before the designer run. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. I've got everybody in the room and I got all these, right? And we just were not ready for that moment. We were not ready for that, that pressure. And um, <laughs> each time, so there were two, at least two, distinct places in the process where we, I saw something that was there but not finished. And I came in the next day with a clear idea of where we needed to go next, mm -hmm. right? And both times, man, the whole company stepped up and we really moved forward that next day. And that feels, as a director, that feels just so empowering and, and invigorating to know that everybody's on the same team and that they didn't feel that negative rehearsal and just like throw up their hands and walk away, right? That we all kind of recommit and push forward and have an even better rehearsal the next day. It happened in that Monday you're talking about right after uh, that run. Um, and it happened again uh, going from tech week one to tech week two where we had a solid but um, unfinished preview preview weekend uh, and then came back in and I asked more and we did more right and the show has changed completely even though folks who saw it last weekend were happy mm -hmm. the show is significantly better on opening than it was last weekend I feel yeah Commonweal has made me really um, appreciate and value things like previews and also just like having to tech weeks because I before I got here I had you know tiny small gigs in professional regional mm -hmm. theaters and like just being able to have that second week of doing things like that and being given the opportunity to push to that next level knowing how an audience responded is just like I don't know why more people don't do it like it's just I just feel like it's so valuable and like even for women in jeopardy it was the first time i ever saw that process and like i was just amazed but also so shocked at like how much the show changed during the tech weeks and like how it was just just excluding tech because that always changes a show but just like seeing how much the characters and how the actors interacted with each other changed within those two weeks, like from the designer run to opening, like it was a completely different structure, a completely different new show. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think the process that we do here is really cool. Josie, do you have something from rehearsal? Josie's in this show too. <laughs> I think it, I got so mad at the door so many times. <laughs> 
Because there's so many specific ways, and I'm so glad we simplified the door positions because for a while we kind of had the door just going a number of places on stage, and I would get so frustrated. And I'm just, is it inside or is it outside? Is it stage left, stage right? Yeah. But now, luckily, we have, we have it on lock, for sure. <laughs> yeah. If you could say anything to someone who's debating on coming to see Jekyll and Hyde, what would you say to them? Mm. So at least the last question will be stump them. This happened with Aaron too. <laughs> Theater is not just entertainment. Mm. We have entertainment in our pockets and on stream at every moment of the day, all of the time. Theater is not an entertainment option. It is an opportunity for connection and an opportunity for dialogue, right? So this, is, so coming to Jekyll and Hyde means uh, two hours of kind of really intense connection with the other people in the audience and with the cast around really interesting, thought-provoking, intense, fun issues, right? That will give you conversations to have in the week and weeks afterwards um, it's about creating connections and um, that's that's why it's worth it to, to do it and that's why it's worth it to come I that's the answer that I want to say <laughs> but it's like I tell I'd say a lot of to folks in town I'm like oh it's a doozy and um, I'm also sort of wrestling over perception that I have, and I don't know if this is true, um, that horror isn't for a person XYZ, or, you know, like, that's what I'm sort of wondering if, like, oh, do you not want to see it because it's a horror story? Like, and what, like, what's that all about? Um, and that, uh, I don't know, there's just so much to chew on. A lot like, like, in Bernhard Hamlet too it's like I don't know what you're like there's going to be something you'll connect with mm -hmm. I can assure you that's uh, yeah. you know I don't you know um and it's just so full and engaging and I think it is always a good exercise in it's not sit back relax enjoy the show it's you know like the entertainment's like lean forward engage wrestle with this you have to, you have to use your imagination when you're seeing this it it's demanding i think on an audience which is so that's that can be a tough sell when we're trying to attract people who just floated down the river but um i just i can't tell what people are going to walk away with but i think they'll walk away with something it's I, it's been so fun watching the audience watch the previews, right? I've done a couple of, of shows up from the Queen's Box and whatever, and and um, it is often fairly quiet. There are laughs, right? But it's often fairly quiet, and you look down and everybody's leaning forward, um, uh, you know, and, and really watching, right? And that's, I don't think that that's something they had planned to do when they were coming to the preview of Jekyll and Hyde, right? But I think it's something that happened to them and happened and happened with them. It's so fun. I mean, the one thing I'll sort of add to it is like, I love when that happens to me, 
um, who has seen a lot of theater and like read demanding books or like seen some, you know, highbrow in quotes mm-hmm. film and going into it, you know, uh, without much knowledge, you know, not even reading the sort of back cover and like letting it wash over me. That happened to me three weeks ago when I saw Oppenheimer. I just was mm-hmm. floored because yeah. there's, it's, that is, that film is doing, I think, a similar thing for its audience in that format that mm-hmm. this play is, um, which is a whole other conversation. But it was like, it's like really mentally engaging and a lot of without, that's not negating any kind of emotional heart-centered sort of things happening too. <laughs> that's not a great way to say that, but like, it's juggling. It's got a lot of balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And that is just so much fun. If you can just tell yourself to let it, you know, yeah. give it, give it 10 minutes, maybe. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be, you'll be cooked. I hope. That's my hope. Yeah. I think those are two really great perspectives and, and things. Do you have anything to add? No, I don't think so. I think you guys, I think you guys covered it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also such a fun show to do, to perform in. Like, I'm, I think it's so fun. I've never had a show where I'm doing the costume changes that I'm doing, the number of them, <laughs> or the quickness of them. But, like, it's it's fun, it's refreshing, and it's a great time. There are some times when you come back out as pool, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're already on stage again? (laughs) Yep. That is crazy. Like, it's just, it's wild, but also just, like, so, it's, it's so fun. It's, it's, it's such a, it's such a fun show, and, like, like, appreciating the story, but also appreciating the work that is going on behind that door, you know, behind the psych. Like, it is just, it's so... In, in and of itself, it's a Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> the crossover yeah. is Hyde. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, so much for joining us on this podcast episode. It's been so fun to record. And I know I'll be thinking about the stuff we've talked about for a while. It's just so interesting to hear from different people, you know, different yeah. perspective than what I have. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's great. Yeah. So Jekyll opens tonight. September 2nd, and we'll be closing the end of October, right? The 29th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So get get your butt in the seat yeah, when you can. Yeah, and I'll just put, I put my marketing hat on. Is like the fall in Lanesboro is pretty hopping, generally. So, like, don't sleep on this. Seriously. Because uh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's a lot of so people are flocking beautiful. and like there's there's a lot of activities still, especially in October, once um, school gets underway. Uh, it, it'll be busy time, so get your tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you. today. In our next episode, we will be chatting with Lizzie Andretta, resident ensemble member, about what it's like to be an understudy at the Commonweal. If you have topics you'd like to hear about or suggestions and feedback, shoot us an email at josie at commonwealtheater.org or synth.gonzalez at commonwealtheater.org. We release episodes bi-weekly and you can listen to them on Spotify, Red Circle, or commonwealtheater.org. See you next time.